But I am not ashamed, for I know who I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. This is the Lord Speak Podcast. My name is Doug. The idea behind this podcast is simple. Make a space to let the Word of God read us. With no agenda or complications, simply read the words on the page and expect that the living God will have something to say to us in them. So the title of the podcast is The Invitation. We are listening. Lord, speak. So what we have here, Paul's words to Timothy, as he writes his second letter to him, and um, as I was reading through this letter, I mean, this is a pretty famous passage, and there's a song I know I sang in a hymn when I was a little kid, and, um, and so it was very familiar to me. But the big thing that stuck out to me was that declaration that he begins with, those four powerful words. I'm not ashamed. It really triggered in me just some work that I've been doing in myself on some issues related to shame and history. And and so this, this text really spoke uh, to me. So as I underline this passage, the uh, note that I wrote in the margin of my Bible, God transforms our weakness and our shame into his power and his glory when we fully trust in him. Here are the things that I wrote down about that. There are few phrases more affirming and liberating than the four words that Paul writes to Timothy, I am not ashamed. It would be easy for us to skip past these words while reading, but within them are nothing less than a declaration of war on much of the brokenness of the world and the brokenness within ourselves. For when we rebuke the presence of shame in our lives, we claim our true identity. Shame is perhaps one of the most effective barriers to living fully in the affirming presence of God. And although it's related to regret and embarrassment, shame is something altogether deeper. Regret and embarrassment are related to actions or events, but at its core, shame is about identity. We regret things that we've done, and we may be embarrassed by particular events, But shame takes those negative feelings and applies them to our very personhood. Shame attacks the very idea of who we are. Although it's informed and often initiated by action and events, shame confronts us on the deeper level of identity. I mean, for Paul, imprisoned and facing likely execution, it would be easy to allow the indictments of his own voice of shame to redefine his life and ministry and mission. It's certain his enemies and rivals would have used his imprisonment as an indication that his mission and message were invalid. And perhaps the voice of his internal shame in his own head did the same. If God loved you, why would you be here? 
If God supported your mission, why is he going to let you die? But Paul rejects these deceptions and distortions with these four words of liberation and freedom. I am not ashamed. Paul is not overcome by the accusations of his shame because the confidence in the goodness and the power of the God who he has come to know has brought him to a place of full reliance and trust in him. Each of us has our own struggles with shame. For us all, there is a voice that regularly tells us that we are not enough. We are a fraud. We are a failure. We're defined by our divorce. We're defined by our crime. We're defined by our abortion. We're defined by our child's rebellion. These are not indictments about what we did or didn't do. They're a statement about who we are. And as we listen to the accusations of our shame, we hear our worst fears about ourselves repeated and reinforced and codified forever as our primary and defining characteristic. The voice of shame can be paralyzing and debilitating, and the longer we have listened to it, the harder it is to reject its accusations. However, we can follow Paul's path to liberation when we claim the same elements of identity-preserving confidence that he lists after his forward declaration. Paul rejects the accusations of his shame because of the confidence he has in the God he knows. Shame separates us from the promises and affirmations that we have received from the God who loves us and saves us. Shame tells us we are alone. God says, I'll be with you always. Shame says we are dirty and ugly. God says, though your sins are scarlet, you will be whiter than snow. Shame says you are a coward, a weakling, and a failure. God says you have a spirit of power and love and self-control. And that's why Paul says that he rejects his shame because he knows whom he has believed. When we truly meditate on the living God, his presence in our lives and how he sees us, shame cannot endure. When we truly know that we are the adored child of God, chosen and loved since before creation, washed and cleansed by his son's sacrifice, accepted and welcomed by his grace, empowered and energized by his spirit, and destined to be with him in perfect community forever, shame is utterly powerless to confuse and distract us. When we claim and own our true status as children of the living God, we know, as Paul does, the truth about ourselves, and we are liberated from shame's accusations. Paul goes on to say that not only is God present in our lives, providing us with identity and purpose, but God is active and powerful and able to protect Paul from his shame. He says, I know whom I believed, and I have been convinced that he is able. God simply doesn't declare us his child and then leave us to fend for ourselves. The lesson of the incarnation is that God is in this with us. He is powerful and active and involved. He is the present help when we are hurting. He grieves with us 
in our sorrow. He is a mighty warrior who goes before us into battle. He is a gentle healer who mends our brokenness and restores us with his wholeness and healing. He is able to supply our every need. When shame accuses us that we are not enough and that we are a failure, we know that the God in whom we trust will never fail because we have been convinced that he is able. Perhaps today we could use these four words as a mantra. I am not ashamed. They can be a four-word reminder of who we truly are in God and an affirmation that God is able to meet our every need. I am not ashamed. They can be a forward rejection of the lies that our shame tells us about ourselves. I am not ashamed. They can be a forward declaration that we are exactly who our God says we are and that nothing can separate us from his love. Now, for us to respond to all of this, what I want to do is just make some empty space for us to let God speak into our lives, for us to be honest with Him about the shame that we struggle with, the places in our history, in our present, the fears about our future, where we hear the voice of our shame telling us lies about our identity and our personhood. We need to name those things and we need to give them to God. And then as we do that, then just sit silently in his presence and let him respond. Let him tell us the truth about us. Let him speak his words of love and acceptance over us. And let's listen to how the living God will minister to us as we make room for him to speak into the struggles of our shame.
God transforms our weakness and our shame into His power and His glory when we fully trust in Him. Well, that's it for today. I hope this has been helpful to you. If you benefited from this, I would love to hear some feedback from you. I am still learning what this podcast is and what its voice will be like, so I'd love to hear feedback. Um, You can reach me on Twitter, at Doug Rudder, and uh, I would love to hear any feedback that you have. If you do like it and you'd like to share, please post a link on any of your social media, um, or you can also rate and uh, review And absolutely, please subscribe uh, to the podcast as well. So thank you, and we'll see you next time.